Welcome to Case Closed, the Contingency Fee Podcast. On the show, our team of industry experts interviews contingency fee attorneys. You will discover everything from how they got started to the secrets of their success and what's working in today's marketplace. And now, here's the Case Closed Podcast. Well, the next uh, session of Case Closed Podcast is uh, old get-together. I met Scott DeStazio when we were both young attorneys. He was working for a law firm, Bales Weinstein, and I was working for Albert, Josie, and Grilly back in the day. That's so right. I think it's been, what, 35 years we've known each other? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it is now my time to redeem. Uh, we are going to interview one of Tampa's finest plaintiff's attorneys. So, Scott, tell me how you transitioned from the Bales-Weinstein world to PI world. Sure. Actually, it, it starts before that. I... Um, for 10 years, I was a medical malpractice defense lawyer in a uh, one of the premier defense firms in the Tampa Bay area at the time in from 1990 until 2000. I actually read a, a case about you where you were the center of a motion to disqualify Bales Weinstein. I that's pressed exactly, on you, my friend. That's exactly right. So by the time I left, was leaving that firm, I became the partner in charge of the nursing home defense practice. And the practice of medicine had kind of changed. It had been when I started in the early 90s about making healthcare decisions for individuals. And doctors were doing the best they could to make those healthcare decisions. But as I became more involved in the nursing home defense world, and also defending large healthcare institutions, it became more about healthcare decisions for the institution, for the monetization of healthcare. And I got pretty discouraged with it, pretty discouraged. And about that time, my firm just kind of imploded and I had this choice. I had a, a, a baby at the house with my wife and it was either going to take my clients and go to another firm and continue doing what I was doing, or I was going to become a plaintiff's lawyer. And, and David Weinstein and, and John Bales were friends of mine, and they were at the same time setting up this law firm. And they said, hey, come join us. And so I kind of took a leap of faith. I fired very large clients with repeat business to help set up a plaintiff's practice in their commercial practice and their hourly rate fees would finance those plaintiff's personal injury cases. And then John Bales went on his own and became uh, the, the TV man. Yeah, absolutely. So I was there about five or six years and, you know, the firm just wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I wanted to make my own decisions. And so I left and I did a stint at a plaintiff's personal injury law firm focusing on just nursing home plaintiff's cases. I was there for about a year and then decided, you know what, I want to open up my own law firm. I want to make my own decisions. And so that's when Distasio Law Firm was founded in 2007. So in the last almost 16 years, tell me the most interesting case and also tell me the case you earn the most money on? <laughs> well, the most interesting case that I have worked on is a case about a young man who was uh, with a church group 
And he was, uh, I believe, 13. And his mother entrusted them to go up to snow ski in the, I believe it was North Carolina mountains, and assumed that they'd be skiing with all these kids because he'd never skied before. And instead of doing that, the volunteers for the church chose to just let the children make their own decision about whether they should go snow skiing on their own or go with the group. And this young man, having a lot of confidence, chose to go in his own, having never skied before, and wandered up onto an expert slope and tipped his skis down and had no idea how to turn until he was probably going 60 miles an hour until he slammed into somebody and lay on the ground paralyzed. And, uh, you know, the end of the day comes and the church group is putting everybody in their buses and they're calling out for for everyone. And it turns out this young man doesn't answer. And that's the first time the church knew that he was in the hospital paralyzed. It was a uh, trial. It did. It did. Um, I received threats of going to hell. I was told that God was going to strike me down, but we kind of kept moving forward. We had a $10,000 offer and we got a five and a half million dollar verdict. Unfortunately, it was overturned on appeal. Um, there was some issues that the defense claimed were, um, were jurors who weren't being honest in their questionnaires. I, I always felt that that was a wrong decision to overturn that, but the appellate court did. We retried it. Um, we, we, in, we entered into a confidential agreement during the trial. The case finished out, and the second time around, there was a defense verdict, unfortunately, but fortunately, we locked in a confidential agreement to uh, do the best we could to help the client. Okay. What is the single most important thing you do every day that uh, you attribute your success to? I wake up want to help people. I think there's a lot of things I could be doing to make money. And um, I get up every day and say, how can I help these people? They have things in their lives that, you know, not because of their fault that have radically changed their lives. And when I focus on how, how to help them, you know, the stress of the day, the things I need to do to make that happen, don't weigh on my shoulders because I know each step is going along the way to, to make that person not whole because you can't do that, but to make their lives better than when I came into their lives. And how many cases do you generally handle? What's the size of your practice? We have um, at any given time between 90 and 125 files. I have uh, another lawyer, uh, Melody Leon, who uh, works with me and she handles all of the the pre-suiting of cases and trying to get things resolved prior to litigation. And I handle all the litigation cases. And so, you know, my specific load is a lot smaller than that um, because she does a really good job at, at those cases that, you know, that the other side does the right thing and offers enough to get the case resolved. And um, what is the split? Do you have a, a portion that are product liability cases, a portion mal, med mal, nursing home, and mass tort? Do you, or do you specialize in any of those fields? Yeah, you know what? Um, 
I don't specialize in the sense that I do one thing, right? But because I've been practicing law <laughs> 30 something years now, it, it always shocks me when I, when I say that. I've developed an expertise in several areas and I, I actually don't do uh, products liability if I get a case and we'll certainly look at it. If it has merit, I will help that client find the right lawyer for it. Mostly what we do is um, nursing home abuse, plaintiffs from nursing home abuse litigation, uh, medical malpractice, and a, lo- a good share of uh, car crashes as well. And how do you get most of your clients for each category you describe? You know, um, people just in the community know me and uh, they refer cases because they've had a good experience with a law firm or other lawyers in the community that uh, know me will refer cases to me. And, and you know, the firm does pay a, a referral fee to law firms for those cases. We do, you know, from time to time, the internet um, presence, we have a pretty good reviews online and, and those from time to time bring in cases as well. Who gave you the best advice about practicing law and what was the advice? Roland Lamb. I was a, def- a young defense lawyer. I had, you know, the, all the desires to be in the courtroom and all the desires to, you know, really get in there and, and, and see what I could do at trial. But it wasn't happening. I was probably a second or third year lawyer. And I was writing case evaluations. And uh, Roland said to me, you know, Scott, you think the law is about what you have written in the books. But the reality is the law is what you say it is as long as the judge or the jury believe it. And, you know, I, I struggled with that. That sounded, that sounded a bit um, dishonest in some way. But as I thought about it, it made perfect sense. You know, the law is this thing you interpret. It is not black and white. And it has edges and it has gray areas. And so as you read the law, you begin to see other sides and your side and you begin to mold it towards what you believe is the outcome. And that kind of changed the way I saw things. And it allowed me to stop being anchored by the written word and being an advocate for my position. And I've always remembered that. And uh, it's helped me very much. So how have you helped the next generation of uh, the lawyers that are coming out or are already out three or four years? So um, I don't need to have a young lawyer in the office. It, in some ways, for from my size, it can be a hindrance because you're spending your time teaching. But I made that commitment to Melody and... I teach her as best as I can and hand down everything I know. I um, try to speak at at seminars when I'm uh, fortunate to be invited, and I'm a big believer in giving back what I know. But in a smaller firm, I have less of a platform. That's why I'm trying to do more of the things like this, to, you know, to talk with people and let them know who I am. and, And if I can help young lawyers, I'd be glad to do that. Well, what would you like to tell the world 
about Scott D'Astasio, who I've known almost 30 years, who has had a reputation when I was introduced to him by David Weinstein and John Bales. Uh, he was young like I was, and he had hair, and I had dark brown hair, and now we're old. What do you want to tell the world about yourself? You know, that is such a difficult question. I focus on everybody else. I don't really think about my needs so much. Well, that's um, why I'm here is to pull it out of you. You know, <laughs> this is the cross-examination of my lifetime right here. Spit it out, son. There you go. You know, I'm just a guy that's trying to make my way in the world and, and help my clients to get back to you know, some semblance of life that they had before. And if I can do that, that's what makes me happy. Well, fantastic. If you are in the Tampa Bay area and you need an attorney, the man, the myth, the legend, Scott's DeSazio <laughs> should be called. Thank you for uh, appearing on the Case Clode podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Case Closed, the Contingency Fee Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guests and their insight. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Case Closed, the Contingency Fee Podcast is led by industry experts who unlock insights from the nation's top contingency fee attorneys. Each week on the show, the guests share how they got started, secrets of their success, and what's working in today's marketplace. Guests on the Case Closed Podcast include successful contingency fee attorneys that will share their secrets so you can close more cases. Tune in each week for a dynamic conversation about winning legal strategies that will grow your business. 